Okay, so we have a new episode here of Legends and Leaders with Oz Perlman, Oz the Mentalist, um, really just somebody who's incredibly talented at entertaining people, at doing things that um, they really seem impossible in a sense. So it's incredible to have you here. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Awesome. So I'd love to just start with like early life um, when you were a kid. How did this passion for uh, mentalism and even magic in a sense and card tricks, how did this start to develop? Did, how did you discover that? Um, I saw a magician when I was 13. I was actually on a cruise with my with my family and uh, I never really experienced magic for myself. I can't remember vividly having seen it on TV. I'm sure I saw David Copperfield, but there's nothing like seeing it up close, right? There's some sort of thing about experiencing a moment of true wonder and awe right there in your hands. I was brought on stage by this magician. He did a trick to me. I was like full tilt, mind blown. And then um, I have an obsessive personality, which I've seen in a lot of successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, athletes, like anybody who can hyper-focus on one thing, um, sometimes to the detriment of others. But I became really obsessed uh, every possible way that I could learn. I checked out every book at the library, you know, Dewey Decimal System, like magic, everyone read them cover to cover. Uh, I took, you know, my bar mitzvah money and any money that I had spent it on tricks, started performing, met anyone who was a magician in my neighborhood or community and tried to, uh, ingratiate myself slash stalk them slightly and get them to teach me and just really find every possible way to get better at this craft. So, yeah, that was it. You know, that was my 10,000 hours and then some uh, throughout my teenage years. Mm -hmm. And when did you get to the point of like really coming up with your own ideas? I think that's what people, people really like about you is your, your, the mentalism that you perform is very original and unique. How did you start to develop your own, um, your own types of, uh, of essentially tricks in a sense? And like, where's yeah. the inspiration for that come from? So, you know, I always felt like, um, like I was cheating if I was just doing someone else's trick. Um, mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. So it's kind of like in most professions, comedians who I really admire is, yes, you want to craft your own joke, but you might have the same topic as someone else, right? Chris the Rock must, might have a different flavor than Dave Chappelle on the same topic. And that's where you get to be more of yourself. So with me, it's um, I create very differently than a lot of people. Think of a chef, right? You learn how to cut onions. You learn how to make chicken stock. You learn all these different sauces and you combine them. And so you get tools, you use your tools to create a recipe. I start at the end. So I start with an idea of what do I want my audience to remember? Like if I'm doing one of my, you know, signature tricks that somebody think of someone and I cut a silhouette out of their face. And so I always started with, I want to give someone a, a piece of impossibility they take home and they cherish forever and then i worked backwards from what the ending is so kind of like a great movie usual suspects the surprise once you know the ending how do you work backwards and that's been my secret to success is i always think about the ending and then i figure out how i'm going to do it uh -huh. and those are most of these tricks that you try to figure out from the end do do they wind up being possible when you get to the beginning or is it a lot of them aren't and then there's a few that are and then those are the great ones um, because everything is possible so yeah. that's 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 i went to school university of michigan go blue for engineering and i'm now an engineer but instead of engineering you know uh, electrical circuits uh vlsi digital signals which is what i went to school for electrical engineering i now reverse engineer the human mind so I think, what way can I use to accomplish this task? And I know what my ending is, and I'm yet to find something that I want to do that I can't find a way to do it. 
because even if I can't do it again, all that I care about is the memory. And sometimes what people remember is not what really happened. So if you can manipulate the thought, the memory, the story people tell to be the one you guide them towards, memory is malleable, right? It, it, whenever there's like a, a, a crime that's committed, eyewitness testimony has been time and time again shown to be, it's not 100%, it's not objective, it's not like a camera that's pointing in a video. In that moment of high stress or high exuberance, anything that like sets off your endocrine system, either joy, fear, any of those like core emotions, they will make it so your memory is a little bit malleable and what you think you saw is not what you saw or how you process and tell a story. The more you tell it, the more it changes and evolves. Um, and that's what I'm good at doing is kind of getting inside your head, reworking the circuits and knowing how you will talk about me later. Mm -hmm. Would you say that most of what you do is psychology or is it most of it engineering? Like, is it like how much of a mix both. is between both? It's like an art and a craft. Right. I think it's like the best actors and actresses have they, they can separate themselves from the character. And that's why they become so believable. You can watch someone like a like a Christian Bale, who in one movie is a totally different person. And then you hear him talking. He's got a Welsh accent. And you're like, what the hell? You know, th these people so integrate themselves that I'm not an actor. Uh, but what I'm doing is similar in the sense that I'm playing a role where I'm guiding you along. Right. I'm I'm. I'm creating a narrative where you think I can read your mind. And I tell people I can't read minds, I read people. And so I think the, the, the short answer to that is I'm engineering a certain experience, but there's a lot of psychology. There's a lot of knowing who this will work on, who it won't work on, who's gonna give me the best reaction in the moment and how do I get them to that point? Mm -hmm. And so when you're asking somebody a question, are you reading them as you ask them the question and like you see how their responses are and that kind of, and do you keep the questions more like more broad overall? Like you asked, for example, you asked a question on America's Got Talent about like an important moment in someone's life. Like there's, there's only a couple of moments that people would think these are really important enough. And you can kind of get a, a sense from somebody's face. Like Heidi, for example, you got a sense like she had so much joy, you know, and that was like, there's only a couple moments that are so joyous, you know arguably like a marriage, et cetera. So is that like kind of how you do it, like in terms of process of elimination based on reaction? Somewhat, but it, it, the better question on that is why did I do it about something so emotional? Because let's say you just tell someone to pick a card and you find a card that can be amazing and mind blowing. Right. But later on, when you talk about it, there's not a strong emotional hook where you're like, oh my God, you're not going to believe I picked a card and you found it. Not really. I hear. But if you say to them, uh, when, when my future husband proposed to me, he whispered one thing in my ear that nobody else knows. I've never said this to a soul. How did he know that? Now you've got a different story, right? Net, mm -hmm. net, you figured out something you couldn't know. I picked a card out of your head. I picked a word out of your head, but it's the emotional significance and weight of it that goes from this being a story you tell for a week to a story you tell for a decade. Right. Right. So when you were starting out, you essentially like you did a, a corporate show at I think Merrill Lynch and you, you had a job over there and you kind of you got to a point where you realized, hey, I, I should just go out on my own and do this. Was that because you did this show and you, and you thought, hey, if I could do this here, I have, I, you know, I already have some ideas of how I can do this other places. And now I can I can really pursue my dream. Like, how did you get how did you essentially get going in the beginning when you want to go out on your own? Well, there's so many intermediate steps, right, that set you up for success. Um, there's like, I started doing the semi-professionally when I was 14, where I went to a restaurant. I started being as a restaurant worker. 
how I even had the confidence to figure out that a restaurant would hire me was kind of like ignorance is bliss. Sometimes you don't know better. So you just think, well, why wouldn't they hire me? And that's a great mindset to have, which is why not? Like, think about that because unless you try, you're never going to know, right? You miss every shot you don't take like an old sports adage, which is cliche, but it's so true. So I didn't know better and would try these things and not everything in life is transactional right? Like even with yours, I'm sure a lot of opportunities that presented themselves where you align yourself with like little Dirk, you make a, you know, an NFT with a shoe and all different doors open because of one thing that you didn't expect, but things like that happen. It's the same as doing a podcast like this. You don't know who you're going to impact, what they're going to do, what future things will come of it. And I think that's the same throughout life is you take those chances. And I also set myself up for success. People watching this that have a side hustle, I wouldn't tell you just quit your job tomorrow and be like, let's do this. You know, set yourself up. You have to build to a certain point where I was doing the right things. I was meeting event planners in my industry. I was performing three, four nights a week. Every Mm -hmm. night I'm handing out 50, 60 business cards. I'm performing in a target rich environment. What's my target? I realized for me, I was doing a lot of private parties, bar and bat mitzvahs in New York, 40th and 50th birthdays. And I wanted to eventually convert that into corporate events because some of those same people that have these fancy, fancy parties also run large organizations or own their own businesses and have things like sales meetings, incentive travel, like know what you're targeting and then think where are the best places to do that. It's not gonna be a Chuck E. Cheese for me. It's gonna be a steakhouse on the Upper East Side where the average person there also you know, has a business, has a home in the Hamptons. Like you start integrating yourself with the places and people that have the means to hire you in the future, unless you're in a different business. Let's say you're selling widgets or you're selling a product, know who the players are in your industry, know who's the person that you want to be in five years and try to learn from them now to avoid some of those future mistakes and to fast track your growth. Yeah, I think it's it's a smart way to do it and to position yourself properly to be able to get the next opportunity while you're doing one. Um, where, where do you kind of see this evolving into? Like you've done a re, you've done like a reality show in a sense um, that did well, got an Emmy, and then you've also you've been on multiple different appearances and kind of have your own social media channel too that you've been doing um, well, and that you have the in person appearances. Like where do you see this evolving into next? Like what what do you think are some steps that you you want to be able to go towards uh, the future with your career? So I looked at TV in general and the the ultimate thing that is like a force multiplier, right? Everybody wants to scale their business. How do you leverage? There's only one of me and right. what I do. So the way I leverage or scale is the more people that can be exposed and see what I do and hopefully gravitate and like it. That's it. And now the way of the world is this little thing right here has the opportunity to blast out to billions of people. So, uh, Viral videos are obviously a big hit with certain people. I'm trying to do things that highlight what I do and the value add. And what I found is I do best on TV. Like on TV, it does great. In person, it does great. But on TV, it's got that wow factor, especially when you do it with famous people. You get genuine, authentic reactions. And what I realized about two years ago is that sports are the biggest thing on TV. They're the thing keeping TV alive right now. People that haven't cut the cord, it's all sports. The only thing growing is sports year after year. And so, and and athletes react amazing. And because you know what, there's something to be said for when you push your body to the limits that when somebody can get in there and show you how to take your mind to the next level, they just kind of like act like kids again. And so in the last year I partnered with ESPN 
I did stuff for a bunch of NFL teams. We're doing that again this year with even more teams. So in the next few months, I don't know when this is coming up, but in the 2023-2024 sports season NFL, you're going to see me nonstop, like every other week with a different sports team and uh, doing kind of never-before-seen mentalism, really crazy cool stuff. I'm super excited. And that's de facto like kind of a sneaky way to get your own TV show where instead of getting my own TV show and trying to find an audience, the audience is already there. You know, 20, 30 million people every week tune into Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football. So now if they can be exposed to me doing stuff that makes sense, it's not just who's this guy doing weird tricks. All of the stuff I do is custom designed around the teams and around a football fan and what they're interested in. Um, and so that's kind of giving me a new audience. Um, and, and, and it's we're spiraling it. I'm doing it with other sports as well because they're seeing the value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely a smart approach. So what would you say has been like the hardest trick you've ever performed in terms of like preparation as well as execution? That's a tough one. I mean, <laughs> you, a lot of it, you wouldn't really know from, from in front of the camera versus right. behind the camera. Like a lot of things that I do that seem the easiest are the hardest. It, it's, I always think when you watch in the Olympics and you know, when those guys or girls do like a dive from a three meter board and they just do a simple dive. Like they touch their toes and they go in and they go in like a freaking needle yeah. and there's no splash. The splash, like the water goes and you're like, what? And then you, you, they do it and you're like, I could do that. And then you jump or I jump and it's like, like a belly flop <laughs> level. And it looks like the simplest thing in the world, but when someone makes it look easy, that's decades of like focused, focused, focused stuff. Um, Usually some of the hardest tricks are the next ones I'm doing, the new ones, because I don't like to repeat stuff. So if you watch a lot of stuff on TV, uh, it, it, you're always seeing new stuff and you're like, that's different and that's different. And it's a lot of the time, the first time I'm ever doing it is literally on TV because it's so hyper-specific for that group that I can't really practice it before I practice it in my mind and I go over and over and over and over and I like it, but, but it's the same way comedy. Comedy can't be practiced at home. You can't talk to the mirror and see if it's funny. You actually have to do it. So mentalism requires an audience. I literally can't do the trick without the audience. There's no, I can't be like, quick, think of a number. I'm going to guess it to myself. So your your performance is your practice, which makes it very challenging. And why focus on mentalism more than magic? Like, because it's just because of how it uses your mind and, and the way it's more of a, like something, I think it seems like it's more aligned with how you are as a person too, where you kind of like to deconstruct things and then, you know, come up with your own angle and magic is kind of like not always viewed as real in a sense. Is that kind of? Um, I, so I started by doing magic and I, and I still have a, a deep love for magic. It's not something that like went away. Yeah. It's, it's part and parcel. Um, I made a decision, a, kind of a marketing decision, branding yeah. decision when I was on America's Got Talent the year before me a magician named Matt Franco, who's awesome. He won. And then I needed, when I went on the show, I just like, I'd been doing half mentalism, half magic. Mm -hmm. And magic is a bit of a crutch because magic is prop based. And again, ah. a card trick that you've practiced for 10 years, within reason, it works every time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no real danger. Like they, I like to always call it, you pick a card, you put it back in. I know the move and I'm going to find your card. So I'm not saying it's not cool. It's amazing. But it hits different than the mentalism where the mentalism feels like there's no trick. Yeah. You know, you, you're not, you didn't do anything. There's no like move. So how did you guess that thing? How did you know what I thought of? So it, it hits in a different way. And 
I, at the time, decided, you know what? I can't keep dipping my toe in the water. I got to dive in the deep end. So I branded myself. That's when I did my social was O's the Mentalist. Looks like Oz, but it's O's, O-Z, the Mentalist. And I kind of said, I'm, I'm shedding the magic. I'm going to go full tilt mentalism to kind of distinguish myself. Um, and also, when you do big shows for 500 people, 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 people, you need bigger and bigger props if you're a magician. Otherwise, mm -hmm. no one can see you. So mentalism is not about props. I don't need any props. I am the show. So instead, the real stars of the show, the props are the audience and their reactions. And when you see someone on camera on a jumbotron that just, you just threw a Frisbee in the audience and somebody in the eighth row catches it, stands up and you tell them their ATM pin code and they're like, what? like that, <laughs> that, that real authentic, genuine, oh my God, how did you know that? That's what sells, whether it's on a jumbotron for a thousand people or on TV for 20 million. That's the core of what I do. Um, and I just decided the bigger the show, I don't want to carry props around. I want to be sleek, streamlined, and with mentalism, I can do that. So from a practical perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it also seems to be more scalable, like you said, and scalability, like as you scale your career too, you know, that's something that with mentalism, it's, it's just, you can be as unique as possible. You're not like confined. It's limiting though, because with magic, there's so many different things. You can do card tricks, rope tricks, you know, stage tricks, bird tricks. There's like versus mentalism is very subset. So it forces you to be much, much more creative. Um, you know, it's like being a chef, but a vegan chef. Like if you can't yeah. use all these other ingredients, you have to be much more creative with what you use. So with mentalism, I can't do all these other things. Like it, it doesn't look right. I can't produce a bird because people are like, what's that got to do with mentalism? My whole shtick is knowing how people think, how they behave, and kind of like using your mind in a different way. Um, and with a lot of the NFL teams, it's gonna be stuff like overcoming, like your mind over matter, like how you would not feel pain, how you can take what you would normally do and go even 10, 20, 30, 50% more of what you can do than you did a minute ago. And how can I kind of influence your thinking, your mind and body connection? Yeah. Yeah, that will be definitely pretty interesting to see, and uh, and how that ties in really well with the NFL. Um, so were you play, like if you didn't get on America's Got Talent, what what was the plan to at, at that point? And like, did you have like a back? Were you just going to continue like the direct the path you were going on? Did you have like a backup, or were you just going to keep applying until you got on? I it was not my dream. It was not. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah. Where I'm so glad it happened because it was jet fuel for my career and yeah. definitely like took me to a new level, but. I would have kept hammering. Like I would have not stopped regardless. It was just a force multiplier. I think that in every like career, you have the two things you need to do, which is either do something different than everyone or do something better than everyone. Like you got to give yourself a unique selling proposition and those tend to be the two of them. And my whole thing was to be easy to work with, to provide tremendous value to my clients. Uh, and, and honestly, just, just do amazing stuff so that every time you do a show, you not only meet, but greatly exceed expectations. People talk about you. And I was just a word of mouth referral guy until then. And it was a snowball of momentum downhill where every show gets me another show. Every show gets me more shows. And the more you work, the more work you get. This just took it from a local, regional, tri-state New York thing to a national, international level. Yeah. 
It definitely did. Um, what what happened like right like right after you you got third place in America's Got Talent? Was there like immediate effects you saw on your life? Like your and and yes. like what were some of those immediate effects? It it forces you to grow quickly. So I, I think it's kind of like I, I have to assume based on what I've spoken to like actors and actresses, you're in a hit movie, and your life overnight. I'm not going to say it changes, but you're going to hopefully get a better team that's gonna allow you to grow. So you might get representation. Instead of me being the guy picking up the phone you call, I now have a manager or an agent. I now, it opens doors because in the world of entertainment and media in general, heat, like you have peaks and valleys where you're gonna get a lot of media exposure. The media suddenly is interested in you and how you capitalize and harness that momentum. If you let it fizzle, then it kind of like hits and then, and then, mm -hmm. If you keep embracing it, keep giving people a story that's worthwhile and reinventing, you can't just keep doing the same thing because people get tired of that. You've got to provide a value to like TV or social media or collaborations or something like that where people are fascinated, but also seeing something new all the time. So in my example, for it right away, I wasn't the guy answering the phones. My rates went up. I was looking more for quality than quantity right? Where before I would just do any show that came my way, say yes, yes, yes. Now I had the luxury of saying no and kind of prioritizing to some degree. It was the same time that I had my first child. And suddenly you don't want to be working nonstop every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You don't get to really be home doing smaller parties. You might scale and instead do bigger events that you fly to once or twice a week during the week. And you start kind of prioritizing different things in life. Yeah. So do you think that you'll expand more into like, um, like productizing a lot of what you do, like maybe making like more, you, you did have a DVD that was a magic oriented DVD that did quite well. Do you think you'll do like more of that? Cause there hasn't, it doesn't seem there's been something that's been so dominant as a mainstream product in, um, in magic and in mentalism. Have you kind of thought about that avenue at all? Uh, so I wouldn't, so I think it's too hyper niche to train people in what I do for a living because quite frankly, if you were interested enough, like of every thousand people that see me, maybe a hundred people in the moment say, oh my God, how'd you do that? And then where does that, again, where does that drop right. off? Where does someone who's a kid who had a magic set and did like a, a month or so, how, what was different from them than me where I became obsessed, kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And now this is what I do for a living for you know 20 plus years. What was different about us? So I think right now, the whole world is at your fingertips. You can Google anything, you can YouTube anything, it's there. Mm -hmm. So most of the reason people don't get it is not because it's not available, it's because they just don't, there's so much stuff to consume yeah. nowadays. So I think that the real skills I have are not the mentalism, and I'm, I'm writing a book as we speak, it's all the other skills surrounding it. Think of it as packaging. Yes, inside the box is like a secret of how did you guess this, but when I walk into a room, what differentiates me from the other mentalists? It's the soft skills. It's how do you remember everyone's name? How do you become memorable? How do you, when you walk in that instant feeling that people get that you've always seen, that you want to gravitate towards them, that you remember them later, that you talk about them. A lot of that has nothing to do with the tricks I do. It's a very select set of skills that you can work on, that you can build up and get better at that are going to help you whether you're a teacher, a dentist, a garbage man, anything, because we all interact with others and how you can improve those relationships like business and personal are the same skills I use. They're literally the same things. Like I've learned how to reverse engineer people's thoughts. You can get inside your own head. That, that's the skill I want to give you. My skill to do on yourself 
to achieve kind of goals that you haven't achieved yet. Yeah, that's it's definitely really good to be introspective like that um, and take the skills that you've learned throughout your whole career and then be able to also apply them to you. Um, you know, it seems like you also like you, it's really a lot. There's a lot of thinking that goes into what you do. Like there's some some different people have careers that it's like, you know, it's more based on who they are as a person, certain, you know, physical features, you really have kind of thought through different stages and also position yourself um, to be able to get into those places. So it's been, you know, it seems like it's been very, um, very well thought through. So it's definitely great that you, you've done that. Well, thank you. I think a lot of people kind of go with the flow and you're on autopilot and people that are in my profession, I'll get this question a lot. And I'm, I'm sure it's in every single profession when you see someone achieving success is, you go, well, well, I mean, how did they get that? Or like, uh, for me, I'll yeah. get this just because I've had a lot of TV appearances. Other mentors will be like, I got to get on TV. And they'll say, how do you get on TV? And I'll ask them right away. I go, what have you done to try? And you get a blank stare like, uh, and I go, do you think that someone's going to see you somewhere? And then they're just going to say, give me your, your business card. I'm going to make you a star, kid. That's not how it works. That's not the right. world. You're going to always be your best champion. There's not some agent or some this or some business partner or anything like that you are your number one cheerleader. You're going to be the one that has to make things happen. And most people don't even try. So when, when they say that to me, I go, well, what TV do you want to get on? Do you have local news? They need to put up three hours of television a day, night and morning. They got nothing it, like they're dying for good content. But if you just say to them, Hey, look at me, I'm great. I can do this trick. Who cares? Make it about them. Make it. I've told people this, like, think like them. It's Halloween. Oh my God. They have a segment about candy and like what's the best you know trick-or-treating outfit give them a segment if you're a magician that's contoured to them anything like that if it's valentine's day if it's christmas like think like a producer think like an event planner think like your target audience and be a real mentalist if you can think like them you can provide them something that they will have gift wrapped and ready so that they'll be like oh my god let's definitely have you on the show and, and i think so many people in their profession don't think about how to get what they want they're just hoping it comes. That's not how the world works. Yeah, agreed. Well, look, I appreciate you coming on. I was, and you know, telling us about your story and, and how you accomplished what you did. And I think you're going to do so many wonderful, more wonderful things. And it seems to be you're trying to be different and innovative. And you know, and you've already done that in the past. And by the, with this new NFL opportunity and sports, the ESPN opportunity, I mean that should be quite quite exciting to see the reactions of athletes and what you do and um, how you, you're innovative there as well. So I wish you much success on that too. And uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it, man.